Today's reading is Luke chapter 10. And in this chapter, Jesus sends out many of his followers to preach. He pronounces woe on unrepentant cities, declares the gracious privilege of knowing the Lord, and tells the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. And we end with the well-known story of Mary and Martha. So let's just explore a couple of ideas that we find in this chapter. One is making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. This chapter opens with Jesus sending out 72 of his followers to preach and bear witness that the Lord has come and his, and his kingdom is here, verses 9 and 11. Interestingly, this is a neat insight into the fact that Jesus had more people following him around than just his 12 closest disciples. No doubt Jesus chose those 12 out to be those who would receive his closest and most intentional teaching and training, Luke 6, 12 through 16. But here it is clear that dozens, plural, followed him. In fact, John's gospel tells us that at one point, many of these other disciples left and no longer followed Jesus because of some of his hard teachings. You see that at the end of John chapter 6. Nevertheless, here in Luke 10, Jesus sends out his 12 plus many more to bear witness and preach. One lesson that you can glean from this episode is to take advantage of the opportunities that you have to hear the gospel and to hear the truth of God and respond to it. Where do we see this in this story? Well, why do you think Jesus told them to take with them no money, no knapsack, no sandals, etc., verse 4? He told them this because it was going to be a brief mission, and they were not going to stay long preaching in one place. If the people in a particular place rejected the message, the disciples were instructed not to stay there and try to persuade them further, but rather shake the dust off their feet and move on to the next place, verses 10 and 11. The Lord was graciously giving them an opportunity to hear, repent, and believe. If they shunned the opportunity given to them, the consequences before God would be more severe. Jesus emphasizes even further the dire and intensified consequences of rejecting the gospel and rejecting grace when he pronounces woe on several cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, for doing that very thing, verses 13 through 16. Notice that Jesus even says the consequences will be worse for those who heard the message and didn't receive it than for those who didn't hear the message at all. It will be more tolerable, he said in verse 14. This, no doubt, has enduring application for us as well. We are blessed to have so many opportunities to hear God's Word, to read it, to hear it preached. Our problem is not lack of access, but so much access that we are easily prone to tune it out. But that is precisely the application of this passage in Luke 10. Jesus is pronouncing woe on those who have heard but have not responded to it appropriately. What is worse, hearing the gospel message with outright unbelief or with dull apathy? Both responses indicate that the message really hasn't resonated and taken root in the hearer. You won't find a majority in our particular neck of the woods who simply outright vocally deny the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it, that's a growing number, but there are we're, we're still in the Bible Belt and many uh, will, will want to pay some sort of respect to Jesus. 
it seems like everybody and some a lot of people want to be cool with Jesus and yet there is a real and a pervasive presence of what seems to be sheer apathy even in the church sometimes at the truth of God and the message of the gospel people just don't seem to care and the gospel seems to have little impact on their daily lives and that is what makes Jesus word here in Luke 10 such a timely word we have heard the truth we have heard the gospel countless times we have a bible in every room it seems in every translation it seems oh that we would take advantage of the lavish grace the lord has given us through a flood of access uh, to his word what excuse will we have in the judgment verse 14 if we were given such overwhelming access to the gospel and to the bible more than countless others and yet made such little use of it. It's not enough to know the truth. Knowing the truth is enough to add to the severity of our sentence. Let's be like those in 2 Thessalonians 2.10 who not only know the truth, but who love the truth and so are saved. Well, let's think secondly about loving God and neighbor. Loving God and our neighbor. This chapter ends with an interesting juxtaposition of events first a lawyer quote-unquote that is an expert in the Old Testament law approached Jesus to ask what he must do quote to inherit eternal life verse 25 he isn't serious in his question as we're told that he was just trying to put Jesus to the test um, verse 25 and also that he was in verse 29 he was desiring to justify himself Jesus asked him to summarize uh, what God uh, requires in the law of Moses. And the man rightly answers by quoting Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18, pointing out that our whole duty is to love God above all else and love our neighbors as ourselves. This encompasses the entirety of the law of Moses. If we do these things, everything else is taken care of. Jesus commends the man for giving the correct answer in verse 28. The problem was not necessarily in the answer he gave, but rather in his and our ability to do it. This passage indicates that the man felt like he was doing pretty well at this. But Jesus tells him a parable to show him otherwise. The lawyer asks him, asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Verse 29. Well, that was the wrong question to ask. Uh, he asked this question to test Jesus, and because he felt like there were some maybe in his life, who should be exempt from his command to love. Hence, Jesus told a parable in which a Samaritan, whom the Jews hated, was the hero and was uh, the exemplar of genuine neighborly love. The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? But Jesus showed him the question should have been, how should I love my neighbor? The fact is, neither the lawyer nor us have loved our neighbor as God requires. Jesus alone has fulfilled that demand on our behalf. Instead of desiring to justify himself, the lawyer and we should look to Jesus to justify us. And he is the only one who can stand in our place, having met our obligation and uh, given perfect obedience to the law. While the parable of the Good Samaritan focused on the real meaning of Luke 19.18 and loving our neighbor as ourselves, it appears that Luke follows that story up with the story of Mary and Martha presumably to focus on the real meaning of Deuteronomy 6.5 and loving God above all else. In that story, as I'm sure you're familiar with, Jesus visits their home and Martha is busy making preparations 
and serving while Mary simply sits at Jesus' feet in verses 38 through 40, listening to his teaching. Martha complains that she has no help in what she's doing. And Jesus, though, commends Mary for her desire not merely to serve the Lord, but to know the Lord and know his will. And that is what it means and looks like to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to know him and to know his will so that you can live according to it and please him in every way. Let me end by saying this. While Jesus obeyed the law perfectly for us, for us to be justified before God, we are still called upon to love the Lord with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves through the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be sanctified before God. Jesus kept the law so that we could be forgiven, but we are given the Holy Spirit so that we might have the ability to keep his law as well and be holy before him. And that's Luke chapter 10.